Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm sure you've heard of the fight, flight, freeze response, but did you know that there's also a fourth type of response called fawn or fawning, which is like people-pleasing on crack? Today, I'm breaking down these four different conflict responses, and then you'll learn my two-step process to start taking control of your emotional reactions today. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven. With over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Well, there you are. I thought I lost you. I was looking all over. I was, where are you? Why aren't you here with me? Why aren't you hanging out? Welcome back to the podcast. It's Abby. You know it's Abby. I don't know why I introduced myself. I just insist on doing it every week. Uh, So I'm really excited about what's coming at you today. And before I get there, I just wanted to remind you that I have a YouTube channel. I know you could actually watch my mug talk about crap. Uh, I try to keep the videos short. Uh, you know how long-winded I am. So for me, short means, you know, some of them are below 10 minutes. I want to say that, but they never go over, I'd say 15 minutes for like top, top, top. So they're really sort of a short burst of information. They're a great way to get information on everything you get on the podcast, just in another form. And what I would love, please, we're trying to get to a thousand subscribers over there. And 
if everybody who listened to the podcast subscribed, boy, I'd have, I gotta, I'd have a million subscribers. <laughs> so go on over, check out YouTube. How, how are you not on YouTube? Uh, Abby Medcalf PhD is me and subscribe to my channel. I'd really appreciate it. The more people subscribe, you know how that is with all the algorithm crap. Uh, it really helps more people know about it. And then I get to help more people. And you know, that's my jam. You know, it's what makes me happy. So there you go. Also, as I've mentioned before, you might have somebody who doesn't want to listen to the podcast and me ramble on and you still want them to get the information or different information. And so I think the it's really why I created the YouTube channel, because that's what people uh, were complaining about, that they had partners who wouldn't listen to me on the podcast. And so I created that as an alternative and it does work for a lot of folks. Okay. So I was blown away when I started hearing about this fawning thing that I'm going to talk about. And you know me, I went and read every book I could find, <laughs> did all the research. So uh, so it, and it's a perfect follow-up, you know, last week I talked about unhealed trauma and if you haven't listened yet to last week's, that's okay. Just, you know, go back and check that out when you have a chance, if this is interesting you at all. But for now, I just, I'm going to quickly re recap what I mean when I say trauma, because that word freaks people out and it freaks me out a little bit, actually. I, I'm not sure that it doesn't get thrown around a little too easily, but I also think it didn't get kind of thrown around enough for a long time. And, you know, it used to be that unless you were raped or a victim of violent crime or came back from a war, you, you nobody had trauma. And it, that's just not true. I can't believe how many clients I have who have uh, undischarged, unhealed trauma from even lives that seem very normal. So, and as I mentioned before, it's really hard to pinpoint sometimes what trauma is. And it's why you might not even realize you've had it, because what's traumatic to one person might not be traumatic to another. So how your mom acted as a parent might not have affected your younger sister, but, you know, might have had a really negative impact on you. Because again, of temperament and birth order and gender, all the things, all the things. So, and, and trauma can come from neglect just as easily as it comes from some sort of really overt physical or sexual abuse. And what I find with many of my wonderful clients, I love you if you're listening, is that they don't identify something as traumatic because objectively they're thinking, uh, you know, something like, well, I grew up in a good home, you know, I had an intact family, there was money, I went to good schools, so there was no trauma. Like somehow those things are safeguards from trauma. And that's not true. Or uh, what I heard recently uh, from a young man who was amazing, he said, you know, I was raised by a single mom. She had to work a lot, but I always knew I was loved. But, you know, when we dug down a little deeper, she just, she couldn't be there. And he didn't, he had an absent dad and he had uh, two other siblings and his mom was amazeballs, but he felt abandoned a lot. And as you might imagine, that kept showing up in his current relationships, which is why he came to see me, where he was always feeling rejected and abandoned from the slightest little thing. And so when we traced it back, so yeah, it's great to know your love. Thank gosh. You know, that's one of the reasons he's doing as well as he is in the world. Uh, but there's this other stuff. So, and you got to remember this, when you're thinking about something from your childhood, 
that's your adult brain making sense of it. So this client, for example, his adult brain is like very reasonable. Well, my mother loved me. She had to work, all that good stuff. Kids don't operate that way. Your kid brain didn't have this ability. And not having a parent around or feeling that a parent maybe wasn't interested in you, didn't engage with you, that can be traumatic. Yeah, to a kid. Maybe when you shared your feelings, you were shut down, you know, to really emotionally abandoned. Maybe you felt like, uh, I don't know, like you couldn't share your feelings because you didn't want to upset your parent. That's actually true of this client. He felt like his mom had enough on her shoulders, so he never shared anything. So all of these can result in unresolved trauma that's affecting your life, you know, in your relationships right now. So, okay, so let's get to it. So now we're talking about this fight, flight, freeze response. Everybody has it. I've talked ad nauseum on the podcast about it. If you haven't listened to a much older podcast I did on the lizard brain, you really should. Again, you can go on my website at any time, abbymetcalf.com. There's now a much easier to find search bar right up in the menu. And you can just type in lizard brain or whatever, you know, mindfulness or whatever you're looking for and all the stuff will pop up. Uh, much easier for you so you can find things easier. And again, there's always a blog, um, pretty much always. I'd say 95% of the time there's a blog that goes along. So there's lots of ways to find the information. Anyway, so the, this fight, flight, or freeze response is hardwired in our brains. And it's it doesn't have to be about trauma. It gets triggered by anything that feels like a threat or conflict, as you know from me talking about it before. The issue is how much you get triggered and for how long, and that's where trauma plays a role. So having a response to something, of course, if I almost get in an accident or if someone threatens me on the street or something, of course, I'm going to have a fight, flight, or freeze response. Absolutely. But it depends if that then, let's say someone tried to mug me and, uh, which I have had happen. Um, <laughs> and then I decide maybe I fought them. Maybe I just froze and got, you know, freaked out. Maybe I ran, I ran as fast as I could. Who knows? You know, I had some response, but if, so that's, you know, traumatizing a bit, right? It's not cool. And of course, I'd be upset probably for a while and I'd remember it. But let's say it's, you know, a week later and I'm having flashbacks about it. Or let's say I'm um, having just all day, like I'm, you know, lashing out at Gary or I'm, you know, yelling at my kids or um, that I'm or I just get really depressed, super, super depressed for a week and just stay in bed. There's ways that I could have a reaction to that that goes past the actual event. And that's really where we're usually talking about some kind of unresolved trauma. So, so I, so I want you to think like, so here you are today, you're in your adult body and life and you might have a response to something really, you know, really innocuous, really harmless. And you wonder later why you quote unquote overreacted or went numb, you know, or dissociated. So dissociated happens when you can't even remember what happened. You don't even remember. You don't remember the conversation. You don't remember this thing happening. This is likely you being triggered by something now, but it's triggering something deeper. And then again, you're not, you're having this trauma response. You're having this fight, flight, or freeze come up at a time when it's not the, the thing isn't actively happening. So, 
you know, because really in that moment, whenever this is going on, you're perceiving something as an attack. So it could be your boss giving you feedback, <laughs> could be your, uh, you know, could be your your mom saying something to you. Uh, you might see something as abandonment. Maybe uh, it, I just had a client say this the other day, their uh, partner is late a lot. And she said, you know, if if he loved me, he wouldn't be late all the time. And that's a big response because I have to tell you, this is a very loving guy. He shows her in a million other ways that he loves her. It's not reasonable to think that his lateness is means he doesn't love her. But she had been putting this together and they've been fighting about it quite a bit. And things like this, as you might imagine, not just him being late, but things that were like this that really were so far off the quote unquote mark of what he was showing her in all these other ways. Um, so she has like, it's like a hair trigger, you know, for this fight, flight, or freeze response. And again, it's sort of linked in weird ways to things that don't necessarily need to fire that response. And you have the response, but and you can't turn it off easily. You You can't get out of it. Even if the whatever threat you perceived is over, like I was saying, it's just, it's like you're stuck in this position. So, and and what's happening, of course, is your your sympathetic nervous system is getting triggered by something that shouldn't trigger it. And you can't get back to that nice relaxed state, what we call your rest and digest when your parasympathetic nervous system takes over. Uh, you You can't seem to get back to that place. So, so let's say you're, I'm just going to give you a quickie before we jump in. So let's say you're visiting your parents and your dad asks, um, hey, why haven't you been promoted at work yet? <laughs> he starts asking about your job. And unbeknownst to you, your that internal conscious dialogue starts going. And it says all kinds of things that are triggered really from your childhood. Uh, he thinks I'm a loser. I can never live up to his expectations. I hate when he does this. I can't deal. I think it's time to leave. I'll never be as good as my perfect brother. I don't know, right? It could be all the things. And you're having all that, which signals your amygdala, right? This part of your brain uh, that we've, again, I've talked about quite a bit in your limbic system to sound the alert. And that fight, flight, or freeze response goes on. And so you might, you know, you might fight, you might go off on your dad and get angry. You might flee. Um, you know, remember, it's really time to blow dry your hamster and it's, it's time to leave, time to go home. Bye, I'm out. You might freeze, just say nothing and nod your head as he goes on and on. Or, and we're adding this today, you might fawn, which is that you might try to please him. And tell him tons of great things that are happening at work. You might even lie and say you were promoted, even if you weren't, because you're just trying to please him. Uh, or you might take his advice and quit your job, even though you love it. You might do any of these things to just please him because you're having this response. So, and I, I have to admit, I had never heard of this response until recently. It's sort of amazing to me that I've been in the field 35 years, and I think it was maybe a couple months ago, I did a podcast on counterdependency. I'd never heard of it. And it had been around a long time. I don't, I don't necessarily think, I think it was sort of a, I don't know. I, say, I think sometimes we come up with names for things that we already have names for, but we coin a new term. But this fawning thing, hello, this was something. I have to tell you, I was blown away. So despite being a little embarrassed that I hadn't heard about it um, in my rock or under my rock, wherever I was living, but 
I read this amazing book about uh, surviving and thriving from trauma. And it's by a therapist named Pete Walker. Shout out to you, Pete. Uh, and it's a game changer. And I will link to the book. It's really about complex, uh, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. It's sort of really about people who have had pretty major traumas. However, his stuff was really, really fit for so much of what we're talking about today. And again, he was, I thought it was amazing. So, uh, so he, in the book, he coins this term fawn or fawning, and it's when you use people pleasing to avoid or, or really diffuse any kind of conflict or threat that you feel. So what I want to do right now is I want to recap all four responses in a little more detail so you can see more readily where you fit. Uh, you know, in the four, you know, are you doing the fawning? And then we'll spend a little more time on the fawning, of course. But so if you're like a fighter, so if you're, if, if you go to the fight response a lot in an argument or uh, when you're upset, you know, you're really focused on arguing your point and be, and frankly being right. That's, you're just all in there. You probably dig in your heels. Uh, some people might even call you stubborn. I didn't say that. I said some people. You get defensive. You stand by your beliefs first and foremost. I mean, this is your thing. You're on your soapbox. It's possible you've lost your temper before and then feel bad about it later, but actually justify your reasons. Uh, yeah, I lost my temper, but he shouldn't have pushed me or something like that. You know, he shouldn't. I don't mean physically pushed. Uh, you know, he, he shouldn't have pushed me to that limit, whatever. Um, when your sibling, friend, partner, insert difficult person here, uh, is talking to you, you're already thinking of your response and often misunderstand what they're saying because you're so impatient to say what you want to say. The longer the argument or situation goes on, the more rigid you likely become. Uh, You might have a hard time calming down. It might take you a few days to really, to see reason, you know, to come around. Even after the person apologizes, you probably find yourself still angry and not able to accept their apology and move on. You know, you just sort of sit in it for a long time. Um, And you might even notice, I've had this with some clients, that you actually look forward to fighting in a way. You might not want to admit that, but you do. You feel right and you can't wait to express your opinion. Uh, You might feel almost kind of high or an out-of-body experience when you're kind of in the fight. So if you see red and feel like you can't calm yourself once you get going, you're likely a fighter, I would say. Um, And when your fighter characteristics, you know, when this part of you is at its worst, you can be explosive, controlling, entitled, demanding, uh, perfectionistic, and even even a bully. Uh, You try to control... You try to control this connection. You're, you're trying to control to connect with other people. That's what you're trying to do. I'm trying to say this well. Um, and you use your rage or anger really to feel safe. But you're, you're using control to try to connect. You are. Um, to try to engage. And so some of the feelings you identify with most may be uh, anger, resentment, frustration, and rage. You know, that they, if they come up a lot. Okay. Uh, or maybe you flee. <laughs> That could be the other way you're going. Um, so 
And this response can take a lot of forms. The obvious ones are to physically leave the room or an argument because you've had enough, you know, uh, or to avoid conflicts or fights altogether or, you know, abandon your family or a relationship. Those, that would be an obvious way to flee, right? But there are other ways fleeing shows up that you might not recognize as quickly. Uh, avoiding endings of things, like not showing up for your last day of work or your last session with your therapist, hello, or at a farewell party for a friend. Uh, maybe you call in sick when things are hard at work or don't say goodbye when you're leaving a dinner gathering. These are all signs of the flea response. Uh, getting engrossed or lost in social media, emails, internet, video games, your smartphone, they're all forms of escape or fleeing. And obviously any of the roles might be people who get lost in their iPhone. I'm not saying that's not true, but it's just a real thing to... Um, it's a little different here. Uh, and of course, there's other type of escape, you know, drugs and alcohol, food, shopping, exercise, sex. Again, when they're used as a means to avoid or not deal with a situation or feeling. So, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, everybody has sex, I hope. Uh, and so that doesn't mean you're always avoiding. It's when you're using it to avoid. that. That's that's sort of the thing to look at. Um when your flight characteristics are at their worst, you can be obsessive, rushed, uh, too busy, like over busy, overscheduled, micromanaging, perfectionistic, panicked, you know, really hooked on getting some adrenaline in some way. And you think you need to be perfect to connect, right? So the, the, the fighter is trying to connect, but they're trying to control to connect. You are really, you're doing something a little different here, right? Um, you're, you're really looking, you just think you need to be perfect to connect. Like you just think you have to be in a certain place to connect and you use your perfectionism to feel safe. Um, some of the feelings you identify with, I, I always joke, I go, what feelings? Uh, you know, you're busy avoiding the ones you don't like and figuring out ways not to feel uncomfortable. So feelings are not your easy bag. Um, I am a fleer. Thank you very much. Flight is my response to most things. Uh, and I've had to work really hard not to, but I am definitely that person who would, you know, be at a party and, um, you know, maybe we're leaving and Gary's like, okay, we have to go say goodbye to everybody, you know, and we have to sit and I'm like, oh, can we just leave? Like, <laughs> Can we just duck out, please? I don't want to go hug everybody and say goodbye. I just don't. Um, it's it, There's like a little thing there. I would much rather just leave. And so, um, yeah, anyway. Uh, and all of those things, you know, using things to avoid all that. That's definitely me. And feelings, what feelings? Yeah, that's why you become a therapist. That's why you become a psychologist because you, you don't understand feelings. Um, okay, so, or maybe you freeze. And this is really those folks who like to stay under the radar. Do you, you know, do you try to lay low and hope that whatever dangers around will pass on by? Um, constant procrastination. Uh, taking no action. Uh, it becomes your action. The, you know, these are the freezer kinds of things. Again, everybody can procrastinate, but, but freezers have it down to like a, some sort of art form. You know, you spin and spin on things that are bothering you, but you don't take action to make changes. It, making no decision is how you make your decisions, that kind of thing. Getting into analysis paralysis, you know, and just staying stuck there. So with with 
freezers, I might see something like maybe your mom calls and asks when she can visit and you just don't call back. You, you don't want her to come over and you don't want to have the conversation telling her that. So you avoid her in hopes that she'll forget it or, you know, go bug your brother instead and go visit him. Um, maybe you need to call a work colleague back, but you didn't finish the project you were supposed to have done. So you just avoid the meeting at all costs. And then you keep procrastinating and make the situation worse. Or uh, I had a client who she used to make appointments for really, you know, something inconsequential, like getting her eyebrows plucked or her nails done or something. But when she realized she couldn't make the appointment, she would get really anxious. Like if she had it, she wouldn't change it. She wouldn't just call or cancel it. She would get so upset about canceling or changing it. And instead she would just not do anything, avoid it, and then go somewhere else the next time she had to get, you know, she would just go to a new nail salon or a new place, you know, each time. So when you freeze, when you're, so when your freeze characteristics, when these part of yourself is at their worst, you can be very isolating, incapable of making decisions, you know, codependent to a degree, or just a real couch potato. You think, and you think there's no way to connect. So you hide to be safe. And some of the feelings you identify with the most often are anxiety, depression, beating yourself up, overwhelm, and regret. And so now, I know, now we get to the real dessert, right? Or maybe you fawn. So again, my wonderful book by the fabulous Pete Walker. Um, so, so in his book, he's, I'm just going to quote this part. In his book, he says, Fawn types seek safety by merging with the wishes, needs, and demands of others. They act as if they unconsciously believe that the price of admission to any relationship is the forfeiture of all their needs, rights, preferences, and boundaries. Ugh. Are you passing out? Are you, are you sitting there right now going, oh my God, oh my God. So fawning is basically really gnarly codependency, right? Holder level. You're so focused on getting the approval of other people that you end up just trying to like twist yourself into whatever it is they're looking for so you can feel safe in your relationships. Maybe you feel like no one ever gets you or understands you. I, I think that that's really part of this. Your boundaries end up being non-existent because you say just yes to whatever is asked of you, even when it's to your own detriment. Uh, so learning to say no, obviously, would be big here. I do have a podcast on that. You, uh, you know, you don't get your own work done on time because you're helping a coworker, something like that. Or you have no time for yourself because you were doing 100 things for your family. Maybe, you know, you overcommit often or do things you don't want to do because, again, no is just not a word you're comfortable with. Uh, the other thing that happens here is that you you're you feel like you're responsible for everyone's feelings, right? Girlfriend's upset, must be my fault. Friend didn't like the movie you recommended, you feel guilty or upset for hours because, you know, oh my God, I wasted their time. That was terrible that I you said that. Or you're sitting at a restaurant that you recommended and the food's not very good and you're just really upset about it. Uh your mom said uh, oh, if, if I was a good daughter, I'd find a way to make her happy. You know, you feel guilty or ashamed when you get mad, frustrated, or disagree with the people close to you. Instead of getting 
I think instead of getting mad at everyone else, you just end up turning it on yourself. You you try you try desperately to read other people's minds and anticipate their needs or what would make them happy because at the end of the day you feel responsible for what other people feel. And you're terrified they won't be happy with you, which means they'll leave and you'll be left alone. And that's that's really what that's about. So uh, and I've all, you know what I see? I see people uh, avoiding certain, you know, social situations uh, or feeling overwhelmed with everyone's feelings. I see that a lot too, because it's just like too much to be around all the feelings. Uh, and so you might, might end up feeling numb or dissociating as a means of coping with the threat you're feeling as you're trying to like be in gatherings or be around people. Um, what else do I want to say? Well, okay. So when you get triggered, you'll do anything to keep the relationship and avoid conflict or feeling bad. So you might also agree with everything the other person says. You, you end up losing your own sense or, or your own values or, you, you don't have, or opinions. And you do all this to appease the other person so they won't leave you. So no matter what, they won't leave. And I, oh, one thing I called, one thing I read, sorry, one thing I read call, and I'm sorry, I don't remember where this was, but it called people who fawn emotional chameleons. And I thought that was amazing. You know, they're trying to blend in so they can feel safe. And I do want to say, it's very clear to me. And again, from the reading and everything else, and just, you know, once I got this, it was like, click, 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 click with all these different clients I have. I thought, oh my gosh, this is so true. I can see it. And people who have the stress response, they're not trying to manip manipulate exactly, okay? It's not, just like any of the other stress responses, it's not an exact manipulation. It's all, because it's all unconsciously motivated. It's not, it's not like a narcissist who has, a, you know, this hidden agenda and they're trying to direct you right to it. Instead, I, I do need you to remember, this is all about this primal fear of being abandoned, rejected, and left alone. So it's, as this is all happening, I, you know, I don't want you to turn on yourself or turn on someone else thinking, oh, they're just trying to manipulate me. That's, that's really not what this is. And people who fawn really, they don't feel powerful. They, they're giving up all their, their personal agency to other people because they so desperately just want to belong, to be part of. And Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 
and Walker says this, I want to say it well, uh, in his book, he says, if, and this isn't a direct quote, but if you're a fawn type, you think it's safer to listen than to talk. You think it's safer to agree than, you know, to disagree, to dissent. Um, it's better, it's safer to offer care than to ask for help. And really it's about, you know, eliciting responses from someone else from then expressing yourself, then deciding what, who you are. Uh, and fawns really will be all about leaving all the choices on the table as opposed to really expressing what they would prefer. You know, we could eat this for dinner, this for dinner, this for dinner, and not really saying, I just want to eat Chinese food, you know, like, or whatever. So when your fawning characteristics are at their worst, I've been doing this for each one, right? You can be a total doormat, a perfectionistic also, notice that shows up with everybody. You can really lose yourself. You get kind of lost in serving others. And with this one, you're really trying to merge to connect, right? Each one's trying to connect in a different way. And in this way, you're just trying to merge to connect and you end up kind of groveling just to feel safe. So some of the feelings you identify with often are likely guilt, shame, resentment, loneliness, disconnection, disassociation, or numbness. Those are often the big ones. So great, Abby. Thanks. That was great. What do we do? (laughs) That's what you always want to know at the other side. But so hopefully as you're listening, you're really seeing where you fit and understanding how you might be having an, a, a trauma, an unresolved trauma response, an unhealed trauma response uh, when you're doing one of these things. Uh, it, again, we're kind of focusing on the fawning today, but I tried to cover everything so that you could really see how they work together and where you go the most. And obviously, a lot of us could identify with every category, but there's one you do the most. There's one that is your go-to when you are stressed. And that's what I always think of. I tell people, so just think of it. You're in a fight with your partner. What's the thing you do first? First. Or what is your first, you know, I've had a lot of therapy, right? So I, I try not to run out of the room anymore. <laughs> and I try to actually talk to Gary. Um, but what what's my first response? Oh, to avoid the conflict all day. Oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, I don't want to have a conflict, you know. And then I very quickly come over that because I've trained myself past it. But, uh, and I'm not going to say I'm perfect at that because nobody is. But, but do you see what I'm saying? But what's your first thing? What are you first trying to do? That's really which one you are the most. And that's where to kind of put the most energy to quote unquote fix or to shift. So, and how do you shift it? So there's really just two steps. And I'm actually going to, um, break down what each step does, what what each type does, sorry, in a minute, um, in a brief way, very brief, because we're going to wrap up. So step one is you have to learn to identify a real threat from a perceived threat. And pretty much 99% of the things that you think are threats are perceived, <laughs> and about 1% are real threats. So, uh, I mean, come on, a threat is something that's going to kill you. It's going to make you die you know, it's very little. And so, yeah, if someone is, if you lost your job and you can't pay your mortgage and you might lose your home, I'm going to call that a real threat. I am. But if, you know, you have to 
make a lot of food for the bake sale on Wednesday and you're up all night every day thinking about it, that's not a threat. That That's not. I'm sorry. It, it's something else. And I literally had someone have this, which is why I'm bringing it up. Um, you know, I say with love, it's not to uh, be patronizing or anything. It's just, it's not a threat. Even And again, when you can get some um, distance from it and really see things and you, you can perceive them all differently. I'm going to do a future podcast on that, by the way. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so stay tuned. So you you have to learn to identify the difference. So, and what that means is you got to get mindful in your moments. I know. Oh, you're so sick of this. Oh, I see you rolling your eyes. Oh, I see you. I see you doing it. No, you need to stop. And you need to freaking do it already. You have to download my mindfulness starter kit. It's free. Just do it. I'll link to it in the show notes, abbymetcalf.com forward slash podcast. Come over to this podcast on that page. You will see the links. Okay. So you just have to practice that because so that when you notice someone else's anger or, you know, the worry or they're upset, you want to allow yourself to, to just be with it. Instead of fixing it, don't fix it. Don't do anything. Focus on just being. Uh, practice not being triggered when other people are having emotions. You have to practice this. I don't know what else to say. It's a practice. You will not be good at it right away. Hello, I love you. You won't. I'm not, I'm not good at it right away either. <laughs> and I'm much better now because I've been doing it for years. But you're never going to reach perfection, by the way. So just let that go. But you will be able to most of the time deal better with it. You have to practice allowing others to have their feelings without you intervening in any way, in any way. And you have to practice not, you know, free, like freezing or, or submerging or, you know, like going down and just becoming numb and dissociating. You have to practice that too. So it's really about noticing it in the moment, noticing how you're doing. One of the questions I ask myself a lot is what is this discomfort telling me? That's one of my favorites. I'll sit there and I'll notice I'm very anxious or I'm, ooh, I just want to run out of the room or I just want to change the subject or whatever. And when I notice it, I just try to sit with it for a moment and really just think, what, okay, what's going on? What is this telling me? What's happening here? You know, just try to be in it. and. It it works amazingly well, I have to tell you. It's incredible once you can start doing this, but you won't do it if you don't remember to do it. If if it's three hours later, it's this isn't the you know, it's better to do it later than never, but you want to be able to do it in the times. So and really what's key about doing this is that you're teaching yourself to identify consciously what's a real threat and what's a perceived threat. You are. So I'm in that moment, I'm noticing I'm anxious. Because, uh, and I'll tell you something happened recently. Um, I was at a, uh, m like a PTA, you know, kind of meeting and um, everyone was taking on jobs and, you know, volunteering for things. And I was feeling anxious. I'm like, oh, people are going to want me to do something and they're looking at me and whatever. And I am very full with work and didn't feel like the jobs that were being offered were things I could take on. I just knew I couldn't. I've been, you know, this pandemic, man, us mental health providers, I have to tell you, we, 
we've been like kicked in the ass. <laughs> it has really been something. I want you to be very kind to any mental health provider you know. I know that nurses and doctors also, I mean, I'm not frontline workers. I get it. But phys- for physical things, but us mental health people are really struggling. And you should be really kind and love us so, so much because it's tough out there, man. Clients are needier than ever. It is just hard. And so as I and so I get it's hard for everybody. I get that. And it really is, I'm just gonna say it, different for us. We we are holding more than other people are, and it's a lot. And so as I'm listening, I'm find myself getting really anxious as they're asking for people to volunteer for things. And I'm starting in my head, like, oh, I have an excuse, and I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna say this, and I'm doing this whole thing. And I caught myself, which was great, and I just was able to sit with it. And be like, I don't have to get so upset about this, you know, because in my head, everyone's going to hate me. They're going to think I'm a bitch. They're going to think I'm stuck up, like I'm too good to take on a job. They're going to think this. Oh, my God. My little brain was, I don't even know where. Even though I know these people have known many of them for years, and they've seen me be very generous and kind and all the good things. So why am I even thinking all this? Because I saw it as a threat. And I got scared and overwhelmed in that moment. And all I wanted to do was like pretend that the Zoom wasn't working anymore and just shut it off. <laughs> be like, oh, sorry, internet connection, fail. <laughs> I didn't. So, and I, you know, I just sat there. I just sat with it for a while and it was okay. And I just allowed the feelings to come. I allowed them to go. I was able to distance myself from them a bit, you know, and really that's what's real. And I was able to calm the frig down in that moment. And not get all up into defending myself. No one was attacking me, <laughs> defending myself or justifying or explaining or anything. And that worked really good. Okay, so that's step one. Step two is, you know, to really understand that you want to have a healthy mix of these four Fs of the, of the fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Because you're going to have the response. You just don't always want to have only one arrow in your quiver kind of thing. You only you don't only ever want to have the one response over and over. And as you uh, ease into the different ones, you can really diffuse that same old thing you always do. Because you're, you know, having different reactions. That's good. It means there's a choice going on. It means there's a different thing going on. So that's what you're looking to do. Uh, so, so let me just break, that's what I'm going to, I'm just going to break down these four and we're going to wrap up for today. So if, so for the fighter, you want to keep healthy boundaries, be assertive and ask for what you need. If you mostly are in that fighter category, that's what I want you to do. I want you to just focus on that because as you focus on that, you'll find yourself, um, leaning into the other ones, you know, like, uh, that you'll, if you have a healthy boundary, you'll start to notice when it's okay to give up and walk away to quote unquote flee to, to say that's enough. You know, I I don't want to do this anymore. Do you see what I'm saying? Or when you're assertive, you'll, you might notice that too. Um, you might notice when you ask for what you need that you can then just quote unquote freeze. You can just sit. You don't have to explain. You don't have to justify. You don't have to anything. Do you see where I'm going here? So it's it's really how you'll see that there's like a healthy mix of them when you really lean in in the good way. So if you're a 
fleer fighter, a flighter kind of person, you want to learn when to disengage and have a healthy retreat. You know, what you have to see when pushing forward will exacerbate a situation or help a situation. So you, you already know how to persevere because you can, you know, you can get shit done. <laughs> we already know you do that. Um, you can do stuff yourself. Uh, you're industrious and you trust, you know, you want to trust your own know-how. So again, when you're leaning into that, you'll know when to fight, you know, when to stand up for yourself differently. You'll know when to really um, lean into other people and listen better and really connect on a different level and quote unquote fawn, right? Lean in. So do you see where I'm going here? I'm hoping you're catching on to all this. Okay, good. Uh, if you're a freezer, there's, you've got really a, an acute awareness of being in the moment. <laughs> Talk about mindfulness. You could really be the mindfulness G because you're, this is your thing is to just sit there in that moment. So, but when you're in a healthy place, you can take a moment to assess what's really happening and think before you act, right? That's what you're looking to do. And again, as you think before you act, you might decide it's time to go. You might decide it's time to stand up for yourself and hold your boundary. You might decide that it's time to problem solve differently and lean in and maybe even be of service for something, but by choice, you know, to really stand up and volunteer all those things. Um, and Walker had a great term for it. He called it for these uh, freezers he's, he, uh, who were doing it in a healthy way. He, calls, he called it poised readiness. Oh, I know. I know. I love a nice turn of phrase. Okay. <laughs> and last but not least, you, you fawners, if you're out there and you're going, oh my God, I'm a fawner. Uh, in your kind of healthy place, if there's some kind of threat or some kind of danger coming at you, so, and when you're doing it in a healthy way, you're able to listen, you're able to help, you problem solve, you lean into love and service without self-detriment, without it hurting you, with, you know, you come first, love and services to yourself first and others second. You're fair, you can express your point of view and what you need. Again, there's those boundaries. There's the kind of fighter part, the engagement part of saying, well, no, but, you know, hey, I really need to make this clear kind of thing. Um, again, you'll know when to leave a situation and not just keep trying to please. You'll know when to really, uh, again, kind of freeze in there where you just sort of wait and listen. Again, listen. So uh, there you go. So all hopefully you're really clear on all of this now. And you can go over and uh, read this on the on the show notes page or read the blog in full or whatever you want to do if you want to kind of see all these things again. I really want you to come and download my mindfulness starter kit. Hello, if you haven't already. If you have already, then it's a great idea to go onto my YouTube channel. And why I do different videos on mindfulness hacks. I've got a bunch of them. Again, you can just go in there and look. Um, I'll try I'll try to remember to link to some of those on the show notes page for you. How's that? Not I'll, not I'll try, we will. So I'll link to some of those videos on the show notes page so you can go right to them. And that's it. Woo! 
Hopefully you got a lot out of today. Hopefully you really were able to identify where you sit with all this. Uh, it, I love, love learning new things. So that's why I love the podcast too. I get to learn new things. I get to think about things differently. Uh, it's always helping me when I help you. It, that's the incredibleness of this journey together. And I do think of us doing this together. I love this relationship with you so, so much and appreciate it so, so much. If you weren't listening, I don't know that I would be doing this, you know, and just learning these things and going this way. I, I'm not sure what I, you know, how I'd be, I wouldn't be the person I am today without you. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So I appreciate you. I love you. And I thank you. And I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.